to be together tonight. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, uh, jump into Bible study. I hope everybody's had a good day so far and a good week. Um, it's crazy how time flies. I don't know if it flies even faster in the summertime because we're trying to hang on to time, um, and it just goes and goes. It feels like it was just yesterday. We were already here to, uh, together last week, and now uh, here we are uh, back again for Bible study. So God is good. Amen. Um, what I'd love to do tonight is, before we get ready to, uh, to, to jump back into the, the book of Acts and continue in our study, we will be looking at chapter 22 tonight. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to go ahead and uh, just get, get started by having a chance to hear from each other. Um, so we have a microphone set up right here. I know that it's there so that we can get some reading in. Um, um, but before we even do that, we'd love to just open up the microphone um, if you'd love to, if you'd like to come up and just share with us uh, either something you want to give God praise for, uh, maybe something God has been doing in your life, something He's done, and and you want to give God thanks and praise, uh, we're going to open up the mic for that. Um, if you want to come up and share a prayer request, um, you could do that as well. And then after we have a chance to hear from a few of our brothers and sisters sharing about uh, things that God's been up to or prayer requests that you might have, then we'll have a, a brief time of prayer, and then we'll dive into our Bible study for tonight. Does that sound good? Cool? All right. So let's go ahead and open it up. If someone would like to come and start us off by sharing um, just a word of testimony, a word of encouragement, um, something that God's been doing in your life, or if you'd like to, uh, to share a prayer request, um, we'll open it up for those things right now at this time. So Come on up, whoever's going to kick us off and uh, be the first one to share with us tonight. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. It's all family here. Brother Carlos, you coming up? All right. Let's give it up for Brother Carlos, everybody. Kicking us off. Lead off, man. Uh, good evening, everybody. Well, God is good no matter what. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things going on that he's been doing in, uh, in my life. Uh, for one, I'm very, very thankful for uh, our church, our church family, uh, and especially my family, my wife Rachel, my son Carlos Jr., my daughter Ariana. I was just sharing with bro Brother Paul and Sister Vivian uh, about our son. He's home for the summer. Uh, my daughter's off for the summer, and they're both going to school. And how uh, blessed we are. Uh, we've never gone without. Uh, even when things have gotten tight, uh, the Lord's always been there no matter what. And I'm very thankful that I have, you know, brothers and sisters that I can lean on. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Um, I just want to give God thanks, give him all the glory. And like Carlos said, God's always good. And um, I was just discussing with my sister because I lost two brothers this year. And my youngest brother, his son, went to Colorado to stay with my sister. Well, he came back down because he heard that my son was coming back home from the army. So they're kind of out there running the streets a little bit and doing their thing, getting high and stuff like that. Um, but I know I serve an awesome God. And no matter, 
I just put it in God's hands, keep them in prayer, and I'd rather go through this with God than without, without God. And, you know, all I can do, he's in God's hands, but all I can do is pray, talk to them, and, you know, just trust in God. So that's it. God bless. Amen. My name's Paul, and uh, I, I'm here to thank God for his blessings that he provides for our extended family. He, the, he, he takes care of us. He watches over us. Um, I'm going to be 75 soon, and, and I'm no medical issues. I'm in great health, and that's because of God watching over me and my family. Amen. For those just coming in, we're just opening it up with the time of uh, just sharing and uh, just giving God thanks for what he's been doing or, or sharing words of uh, prayer requests with the body tonight before we jump into Bible study. So we have time for a, a few more if anybody else would like to share. usually the other way around it's hard to get guys to say something or and then the women like to speak but uh so it's an opposite day today <laughs> hi my name's orlando um i just want to thank this church for opening their doors to us um i say us because not only to me to my wife and my kids and giving us an opportunity to give us to look something for greater in our lives um just a little story back around about me um, this year, at the beginning of the year, uh, I actually know Josh uh, Canales. We met back on the when we were teaching our little kids, and we weren't we didn't hit off at first. But I was about seven years ago. Uh, just this year, we had a rough, rough time in my life, where I lost, uh, in October we lost my job. Uh, we had no money, we had nothing, and I turned to the Lord, and just to say how grateful He is to us and how gracious He is to us. Um, not only did I come in to this Lord, but the Lord opened doors for other people that were in my life to come into this this parish and to be able to find their their walk and their journey with the Lord. So I just want to say, and not only that, He's blessed us with a company that's thriving, and we're about to get our first open our first shop uh, this coming Monday. So after eight months of struggling from going from no job to being able to run my own company with employees and something, just to let you know that's how great God is. So, thank you. Man, Orlando. Wow. Amen. The men streak is still going. <laughs> All right, you're going to break it up. something that um, that I was able to experience this weekend. I um, 
I lost my youngest brother back in 1991 due to a drive-by, right? And my brother was killed. So, you know, back then we were all, you know, to the neighborhood and stuff like that. And we were gang members. So um, when we, we got back home, it was still, you know, still touchy. I don't think I've ever got over his uh, death. But um, when we got home, I had received a call from a lady that I didn't know at that time, right, that um, asked for my brother. And, you know, I was mad at the world, and I was just, you know, I was in bad, bad spot in my life, right? And she asked to speak to my brother, and I said, you know, my brother just got killed. Who are you? And she said, you know, my name is Rosemary. I'm with Young Life, and your brother Eddie used to attend our Bible studies. Your brother gave his heart to the Lord on Wednesday, and he got killed on Friday. So through my, you know, she came to our home. She introduced us to Christ, and through my brother's death, we all came to know the Lord, right? So this weekend, um, you know, after my brother got killed, there was a lot of, you know, it happens, a lot of bad stuff, good stuff. You know, people drift from the gangs, people get worse, you know, and things like that. So this weekend I was able to attend um, my cousin's daughter's graduation gathering. And one of my brother's best friend was there. You know, so when I run into these kids now, I see them, they're in the mid-40s, they're, you know, they have children, and I always wonder, what would it have been like if my brother was alive? What would his kids look like? What would have became of him, right? And um, I got to, you know, to speak with him, and I shared with him, and he was sharing with me, and he was, um, he was uh, telling me, you know, his side of the story, you know, what him and my brother went through, what they were doing, and things like that. And it just so, it's funny how things work out because, you know, I, you know, I was into that stuff. And like a week prior to my brother's death, he asked me, what would I do if he was ever to get killed? And I said, I would go back for payback, you know. And that night when my brother got killed, I had a dream and my brother, and I don't think I've ever shared this with our church, but, you know, my brother came to me and he was dressed as an angel and he had a beautiful face and, you know, I was crying. I was like, why did you leave me? You know, things like that. And he said, don't open your eyes because you're never going to see me again. He said, I'm happy where I'm at and I don't want payback. So through that, you know, I changed my life. I came to know Christ, and, you know, through my brother's death, all of our children came to know the Lord. My children's children came to know the Lord. You know, my grandkids know about God now and things like that. And this friend of my brother, he had the same dream. And he said, you know, we lost Eddie, but through Eddie, we all got saved. You know, this guy is now, you know, he's a general contractor, his youngest brother is um, a fit instructor, so he owns two gyms. His sister, it's a real estate agent. She, he said, you know, we had so much bad happen at a young age. And now, he said, I use that to be an influence to these young kids, you know, playing sports and, you know, telling them about my story and what could happen to them, you know. And I, I thought, I was so happy. I told him, I said, you know, it's a blessing to me to see the change in your life because I knew you know you and my brother were like this you know and it's you know it's sad that of course we lost my brother but 
it's such a blessing to know that his loss was not, a, you know, in vain. You know, all, you know, his siblings got saved. His nieces and nephews, you know, they all know Christ. And even their children. So it's like the third generation now, you know. So it's sometimes it's, we feel like there's no out or, you know, our kids are doing that, our kids are doing the other. But if we learn to trust God and, you know, our kids, we as parents also go through our struggles because it's not easy. But um, like the brother said, you know, it's easier, or Frankie said, it's easier to go through your struggles with Christ than without Christ. So that was a blessing to me. I see my kids now serving the Lord. My kids, you know, they're doing well. My grandchildren, they know about Christ, and, you know, the generations, we stop that. We stop that curse, and it, it just it's sad that it had to be that way, but I look at all the beauty of it, and I just thank God for all of that, and it's just an encouragement. It was an encouragement to me to see him doing so well, even though, you know, of course, I wish my brother was there, but uh, it was an encouragement to me, and I just pray that all these kids or us as parents we go through things like that with our children don't give up on them don't give up and continue trusting God and just keep them in prayer because God will touch them and prayer is powerful and just don't give up on them so thank you Hi, my name's Amanda. Um, I'm very thankful for this church. Uh, I'm very thankful that God gave me these two little girls that look up to me so much. Um, he knew what I needed because I was, how I'll tell my daughters, cuckoo crazy before. <laughs> just doing all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. Um, and just pretty lost and you know I was getting older and the years were going by and I still had you know really nothing no good foundation in my life um, besides my family you know my husband and my kids but as they started getting a little older and wanting to be more and more like me I wanted to be more of a better better example for them and I always believed in God I always you know looked up to I had people in my life that were um, you know that went to church that loved the Lord that I looked up to and I always looked at their families and I always wanted that even though my family looked so different than theirs like it seemed impossible but I knew that's what I wanted and so um, me and my husband started coming here like in 2018 um, also through a loss of a family member uh, who used to attend this church. My husband's aunt um, passed away from cancer at a very young age, and it was very hard for the family. But um, he decided he wanted to come here to his aunt's church. And so we've been coming ever since, and I've really learned so much about God here. Uh, I've learned the Bible. If you don't know the Word of God, like, really read it, study it. It's life. It's everything that you need. It's the medicine. It's everything. Um, those words got me through so many things. I can't even begin to name them all. But um, 
I'm just thankful there's so many things to get plugged into here, too. Um, I've done Bible studies, women's prayer group, just having, you know, certain people that you're close to that you know, fellowshipping. Um, there's probably, like, at least four girls in here that I know very, very um, closely because of just getting into different ministries that this church has to offer. Really take advantage of that because it's really life-changing. And when you're going through those hard times, those people will be there for you, and they care about you. And they pray for you, and they help you. And then when they're going through something, you get to be there for them. And you get to help them. And that's a beautiful thing. So that's all. I'm going to share that. Thanks for those, uh, those testimonies and sharing with us. Isn't it awesome just to hear from one another? Um, because we see faces, you know what I mean? And you see... You see folks, and you say hi, you give them a hug, and it's a blessing, but I think there's just something special when we get a chance to just get a small little glimpse of what's the backdrop, you know, what's been going on behind the smile or behind, uh, you know, those hugs, and we get a chance to hear a little bit of the story, and it's awesome to know that all of us have our own unique story of what's been going on in our lives, and, uh, and I'm sure those stories include um, just awesome celebration points, and they also include challenges and hardships. Uh, so when we get a chance to open up a little bit like that tonight and hear from one another, it does give us the ability to draw closer together as the body of Christ. Um, so again, let me just kind of use that as a plug uh, to remind us to, you know, stay connected, stay connected in the body. Um, know that this is a very loving place, loving church, um, and, uh, and, and nobody should feel like they need to be attacking life or being attacked by life on their own. Amen? Uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive into um, Acts chapter 22. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks tonight because uh, we know that you are here, and we thank you for the chance to pause and listen to what you've been up to in the lives of brothers and sisters here at Mission Ebenezer. Thanks for the testimonies of encouragement that you've been faithful even through hard times, even through challenging things, whether those uh, were years and years and years ago, or even just in the more recent uh, time here, we, we just uh, pause and give you thanks because uh, you have been good. You've been gracious and merciful to us. Uh, you've been faithful. You've been a provider. Um, God, you have been a healer, a restorer, and uh, we are evidence of that. And so uh, would we continue to uh, press into you, and would the story and testimony of who you are and what you've been doing, um, not only give us life, but also be a blessing to others um, who may be carrying heavy burdens and going through valleys themselves. Um, bless tonight's Bible study. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we read Acts chapter 22 and continue to follow Paul and study his journey in life and ministry, uh, that we would learn from him, uh, learn from his example in the word, and that we would be encouraged as, as uh, believers to, to be able to pursue you uh, even better. And so in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, well, it's good to see you all again. Welcome. I know we had a few folks trickling in, coming from work, or dropping off the kids in uh, kids' ministry and making your way into the sanctuary. It's good to see you all here this evening. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Stephanie, because you kicked us off, I think either last week or the week before, I want to ask you if there's another volunteer who would uh, like to kick us off by reading um, just the first few verses of Acts chapter 22. It would be great to have a volunteer 
to read Acts 22, verses 1 through 5. If someone can do that right here on that microphone, that would be awesome, and then we'll jump right in. I see Paco making his way forward, so let's give it up for Paco. All right, come on. Acts 22, verse 1. To them, in Aramaic, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and other council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. All right, thank you, Paco. Come on, let's have a round of applause for our reader tonight. Praise God. Uh, so here we are in Acts 22. Uh, Paco just read the first uh, few verses, the first five verses. Uh, Acts 22 is uh, the moment where Paul is in Jerusalem. We've been tracking for the last few weeks his journey back to Jerusalem. Uh, if we remember correctly, uh, he was out uh, preaching the word of God, particularly to the Gentiles. He was collecting an offering. He wanted to bring the offering that he was collecting in his missionary travels back to Jerusalem for the poor in Jerusalem who were being looked over and who were in need. So Paul wanted to come and be a blessing, a physical blessing, right, a material blessing to the poor in Jerusalem while he was being a spiritual blessing to the Gentiles all throughout the world. Um, and so here he made his way back to Jerusalem. If we remember last week, we read in 21 uh, that his friends were telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go there because there are people there who want to kill you. There are people there who are really unhappy with you. And we talked last week uh, that when he was first greeted by James, the brother of Jesus, and the elders uh, in Jerusalem, who essentially were, the way I put it last week, jealous of the fact that Paul was having so much success in ministry. They were upset that the gospel was reaching the Gentiles with such success. Uh, some of these early Jewish Christians uh, were still unconvinced that the church was meant to be comprised of all people. Uh, they were still of the, uh, uh, the impression that the gospel was primarily for the Jews um, and that the, the Gentiles didn't yet deserve to have access to salvation. And so there was, they were upset with Paul because he was taking the, 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 uh, the treasure of the gospel, the good news of God, to everyone and anyone. And he comes back home to Jerusalem. He uh, just reminds them, as Paco just read, that he was raised in Jerusalem. He's not a stranger. Um, he's not someone who they don't know about. Um, although he was born in Tarsus, uh, he was raised in Jerusalem, and he was trained under one of the most famous uh, uh, rabbis of the time, uh, a man by the name of Gamaliel. And so here Paul is standing before them. They're accusing him of things that he didn't do. Um, they are getting ready to, uh, to persecute him, to beat him, and to potentially kill him. 
And he stands and gets ready to address them, okay? Now, I want to just break down his address because it's pretty much the majority of chapter 22 is Paul sharing his testimony. Um, So it's beautiful that we started tonight by having a chance to listen to some of our brothers and sisters come up and share what has God been doing, what have you been learning, um, what do you have to say thanks to God for, you know, what prayer requests do you have. And, uh, and we started that way particularly because 22, Acts 22, is uh, Paul rehearsing and reciting his testimony. He's sharing the story of how he came to be where he was today. Um, and it's powerful. So he starts by standing up in front of them. And, and the first thing that he says, which I love, is he says, brothers and fathers, right? Brothers and fathers. And, and I don't want to run too quickly past that uh, initial greeting because it demonstrates that Paul was starting with respect. He was, he, was, he was being placed on trial, so to speak. He was being put on the spot and being asked to defend himself. And so I don't know about you, but whenever I feel like I'm being put on the spot, um, very rarely do I feel like my first instinct is to respond with respect. Right? As humans, when we feel offended, when we feel... Um, like somebody's putting us on the spot or they're calling us out or, or they're calling us names or they're making things up, oftentimes our initial instinct is to respond being defensive, right? If they call us a name, we want to call them a name, right? If they make up stories about us, then it's easy for us to start wanting to make up stories about them, right? If, um, if, they, if somebody starts giving us the silent treatment, then our human nature is we want to start giving them the silent treatment. Our our human nature has trained us, right, to be in a situation, and when we are uh, being attacked, we are kind of uh, conditioned to attack back. And we got to be reminded that as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's important for us to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask the Lord and say, God, help me in my life to not be someone who lives by the flesh and only does what comes naturally to me, what's second nature to me. Help me not to live in a way that reflects the world's values, but instead teach me to have the kind of discipline, diligence, and patience to respond with your character even when somebody else isn't treating me the way that I should be treated. And that's a hard thing to do, man, especially if you're in L.A., especially if you're in Carson, especially if you grew up right here in the South Bay. You know that it's not easy to turn the other cheek in our culture. You know that it's not easy for somebody to call us a name and for us to just walk away, right, and uh, and be okay with it, right? It's really difficult to swallow our pride and to treat others the way that Christ would want us to treat them, even if they're not giving us that same treatment. I don't know how many times I go through this with my kids, my two oldest ones especially, right, Joseph and Ruth. Um, they have memorized the golden rule, but they have not committed it to heart yet. <laughs> they could recite it for you, and they could tell you where to find it in the Bible, um, but they, are, they would admit it. They'd be the first ones to admit that it is really difficult to put that scripture into practice. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? And I think we talk about this about every week between me and them. And we say, all right, what does the golden rule say? And they'll both say it. And I'm like, okay, well, but then she said this. And I'm like, okay, but what does the golden rule say, right? But he did this, okay, but what does the golden rule say, right? And and essentially what what scripture, what the golden rule, what, what Christian ethics 
is calling us to is to not allow others and their behavior to dictate our own behavior and the way that we live. Instead, it should be the Holy Spirit that works in us that causes us to lead toward others and not be reactors with others. Right? We can lead by example. Somebody can call us a name, and, and, and I don't know about you, but for me, I, I gotta like, it, it, my, my first instinct isn't to go Jesus, right? My first instinct is like, all right, let me take a step back. Let me take a deep breath. Okay, now I can go Jesus now, right? Now, now I can respond, hey, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Relax, no problem, okay? So here, Paul's being put on the spot. He is on trial. They're calling him names, right? Um, they're accusing him of things that he didn't do. And he starts out by saying, brothers and fathers. I just want to point that out because he could have started out by saying, you idiots. Right? He could have started out by saying all kinds of things. Liars. Hypocrites. Right? He starts out by saying brothers and fathers. What does that mean? What does that mean that Paul wants to start this speech by invoking relationship? Because brother and father is, are, are words that those are familial words. What he's saying is, hey, we're family. Why, why, why are you trying to hurt me? Why are you calling me out? Why are you calling me names? Why are you lying about me? Why are you uh, spreading rumors about me? We're, we're supposed to be family, right? Brothers and fathers, right? To the elders that are there, he's saying, I'm one of your sons. I'm one of your sons, and you want to treat me this way, right? Or he's talking to the guys that are his own age, and he's saying, brothers, What's going on, right? So he's calling them brothers and fathers. Listen now to my defense. And then uh, they heard him speaking in Aramaic, so they were confused. They, didn't, they weren't expecting for him to be able to speak their language, right? And all of a sudden, he began speaking their language, and they become very quiet. So then just as Paco read um, this portion, uh, he begins to say, hey, this is, I'm a Jew. Like, I, I was born in Tarsus. I was brought up in this city, in Jerusalem, in other words. I studied under Gamaliel, thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors, just as zealous for God as any of you are today, persecuted the followers of the way. So uh, for those who've probably been following the Acts Bible study, you'll know that uh, the word for Christians or the church um, in this time, they were called the way. And that was like the name for the church. They weren't really called like, you know, the Christian church just yet. That comes later on. Um, but during the time of the book of Acts, they called followers of Jesus the way. Um, that was what they were called. So, um, so he says, I persecuted followers of the way to their death. Right? So Paul is appealing to them by saying, hey, I know that you're questioning me because of how zealous you are for your faith. But guess what? I was just like you. I was just as serious about my faith and I was just as upset about all these people that were running around talking about Jesus of Nazareth, that he died on the cross and rose again and he saves us from our sins. And Paul's saying, just as much as you're upset with me, I was upset with those people as well. I was just like you. You see, I think it's important that when we share our story, our testimony of who God is and what God has done, that we need to recognize the beauty and the power of our story is that when we begin to relay what we've been through and what we've gone through, oftentimes we don't realize how much we have in common with people until we start hearing a little bit about their story. Does that make sense? The more you hear someone's story, the harder it is for you to hate them or to distance yourself from them. Because you begin to realize, oh, you know what? Your family sounds a little bit like my family. 
You know, your experience sounds a little bit like my experience. Your hardship and challenges sound a little bit like my hardship and challenges. And now all of a sudden, this world that we live in that for whatever reason trains us and teaches us to distance ourselves from others, to judge others from afar, to separate ourselves, all of a sudden we begin to realize, hey, we have more in common than we may think. So Paul's uh, creating that common ground with this group by essentially first calling them brothers and fathers, secondly saying, I was just like you. I couldn't stand those Christians. I couldn't stand how eager they were to go around telling people about Jesus, how, how many good, good works they were doing and, and feeding the poor and, and going around and praying for the sick and they were getting on my nerves. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody in here who Maybe you didn't grow up in a, a Christian home, and maybe it hasn't been that long that you've been a believer, uh, but maybe there was a time in your life where you were like that, where you're like, man, I can't stand those people always quoting Scripture, right? Always got bumper stickers on the back of their car, right? Always dressing up on Sunday morning, right? And then coming home, making me feel lazy because I haven't even got out of bed by the time they get back from church. Can't stand those Christians, right? Um, and Paul's saying, hey, I was just like you. Right? Um, so I persecuted them. Um, and then he, he goes on to begin to tell them that, that it was in that act, it was in that zeal, it was in that hatred and frustration that he had toward the Christians that he was on his way to go and persecute the Christians who are in Damascus. He went and got letters, essentially went to the high priest and said, hey, I, I need to have some letters so that I can go to Damascus and, and so that we can go interrogate and question the, the, those who are calling themselves Christians in Damascus. So Paul was on his way to do more damage. He was on his way to persecute more Christians in Damascus, right? And then we get to verse 6. Go ahead and... Uh, Look at verse 6 with me of chapter 22. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So there's this, there's this moment, there's an, an encounter on his way to Damascus. And that encounter involved this very extremely bright light that shone on him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he says, who are you, Lord? And then he hears from Jesus, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. I want to pause right there in this beginning part of Paul telling his story. So he's rehearsing, he's going through what took place. He is recounting for uh, this audience in Jerusalem, right? And I think it's amazing, as I was reflecting on the Bible study tonight, I thought of the fact that in chapter 21, he was being warned. Uh, if we remember uh, 
Agabus was telling them, right? He gave them that visual illustration and, and he, he tied his hands together with the belt and he said, the owner of this belt will be tied like this in Jerusalem. And so he was already being warned not to go. But it's interesting that Paul wanted to go because he knew that he was going to be put on the spot. And it's interesting as I think about that, that Paul wanted to be put on the spot so that he can have an audience where he could share his testimony. That's pretty, that's pretty bold and radical. He's like, great, put me on the spot, right? Uh, put me in front of people. That way I get a chance to tell them about who Jesus is. That way I get a ch- tell, ha- have a chance to tell them what happened. Um, I don't know about you, but um, when I think of, of Paul sharing this story of, of what took place, um, and he's sharing this conversion story, um, I, I love that in Scripture there are different kinds of conversion experiences. Um, not all of them are like, like Saul, who was blinded by light, right, and was tossed off of his donkey and, and was blind and, and needed to, to spend days to recover. Not, not every conversion is like that. There might be some here tonight who you would say, you know what, it was like that for me. Light bulb went on, and all of a sudden, I no longer live the way I used to, and something different happened in me, and now I'm changed and I'm different as a result. And praise God for those stories, right? That's awesome. We celebrate that you had a radical, instantaneous transformation experience. There are others who might not have that experience, and maybe it's taken time. Maybe there's been little moments along the way over a period of time where God just was chiseling away at that hard heart until finally got you to the point where you surrendered and said, Lord, I'm all yours, right? Maybe there was a conversation that somebody had with you and then maybe somebody prayed with you and maybe you went to church one time, but maybe you didn't keep going, but something happened that one time that you went and it kept messing with you. And maybe it was just over a period of time that God was getting your attention and calling out to you, right? Isn't it cool how we all have different experiences and different stories and we don't need to try to fit ourselves into a neat box as to how God gets a hold of us? Right? God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, and he meets us in our own unique way. And I share that with us tonight. I think that's important because many of us are in a place where now God is using us to reach others for Christ. And sometimes I, I've talked to people that uh, have shared with me, man, I'm just, I'm getting frustrated because I've been praying for the same person over and over again, and I've been trying to invite them to church, and they keep making an excuse, and they keep saying this or doing that, and, and then we get frustrated because they're not responding in our time frame, right? Man, we wanted them to make a decision three months ago, um, and, and it's taken them that long. Thank you, Pastor Manuel. But I want to remind uh, all of us tonight that just as all of us have experienced a different way that God has pursued us and, and brought us in and worked on us, that God's doing that with everyone around us. So let's not lose patience or grow in frustration just because our ministry with somebody else isn't taking place overnight. Not everybody's conversion is going to be like Paul's was, where one moment he was trying to kill Christians and the next day he's trying to make Christians, right? Not all of us have experienced that, and that's okay. But for those who have, praise God, we celebrate that. So Paul's sharing his experience, and he's, he's talking about this radical moment where, where he literally heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him, 
Right? I don't know about you, but I've never literally heard the voice of Jesus speaking to me. There's been moments in my life in prayer and in worship where I could really, really deeply understand what God is saying to me, and I could actually make the words out, but they're not audible words, not for me personally. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Praise God. Lucky you. I wish I had those spiritual ears to hear. Right? Um, so, but God has ministered to me and has spoken messages to me that I, I can hear and understand. But I wasn't like Paul where an actual voice came from out of heaven speaking to him and, and, and telling him, uh, why are you persecuting me, right? Um, and so he has this experience and, and he's sharing that. Uh, and it's powerful. Uh, what I love about this story is that when God does something and it's undeniable in our lives, then it is irresponsible of, of us to not share that uh, because it's, it's truth and it's what God did. And it's important because others might be encouraged to be open to how God might want to work in their life because they've heard our story about what God has done in us. It's undeniable, right? Um, for me personally, I, I remember one of those moments um, that was just like an undeniable experience. And I've shared this before, so I apologize for those who have been at church for like 15 years because you probably heard me share this story like five times because I share it every three years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Dre and I had just gotten married. Um, we, um, we were invited to go to one of Drea's best friend's uh, birthday celebration. They were having dinner at like an El Torito out off the 60 freeway. So I can't remember exactly where it was, East L.A. area. Uh, we were living in Northridge at the time. Um, and so we wanted to go out there and, um, and enjoy dinner and then come back. So, but it started to sprinkle. You know, so it was raining a little bit that night, and we drove out there. We had a good dinner, and then we get back into the car. And like I said, it was probably a few months into our marriage. And we're driving back on the 60 freeway going westbound. And as I'm driving, I'm in the, the lane, not the carpool lane, but I'm in the lane right next to the carpool lane, and it's, there's about four or five lanes. And then there's a car that's coming from the, on, uh, the on-ramp onto the freeway, and it's ahead of us, so I see it coming. And, and I notice that it's driving kind of slow. You know, when you're, especially at night when it's like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, there's hardly any cars on the road. And so you got to get going at the speed of traffic. Otherwise, you know, that's dangerous for yourself, dangerous for others. So um, I'm driving, you know, normal speed limit, all right, ish, okay? Don't judge me, you know. Um, definitely slower than how they drive over in Germany on the Autobahn. Um, so I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm going normal, you know, 85. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, and then in this other car, though, it looks like it's going like 30, you know, and it's coming on the on-ramp. And I'm like, all right, well, at least I'm like three lanes away from this car. Uh, no big deal. And as I keep driving, I noticed that this car wasn't like at all even staying in a lane. They basically drove across the freeway going about 30 miles per hour toward the center divider as I'm coming up. So I hit the brakes because I'm like, I'm about to slam into this car because they're just driving across the freeway this way. And as I slam on the brakes and it's raining, it was raining a little bit. So the road was a little slick. All of a sudden our car starts spinning out. Um, and we spun all the way around to where um, we could see the lights of the tra of traffic that was behind us directly pointed at us, right? And in that moment, Drea's in the passenger seat, I'm in the driver's seat, I just felt the calmest I had ever felt. 
I could see everything. Everything was slow motion. I had noticed the cars coming at me, the lights. And then I just, I felt like something told me, just turn your steering wheel left again, which is weird because, uh, you know, we were, we, were, we were going, we turned around going right. I turned the steering wheel going left. And then all of a sudden, right, next thing you know, we were in the same exact lane that we were in, going the same exact speed. I just put the gas on and we kept going. We didn't even go outside of our lane. We didn't go to the center divider. And trust me, I never drove NASCAR, okay? I never did Formula One, drifting. I never done nothing, nothing like that, okay? Um, and I knew that in that moment, right, what I felt is if a big hand came down, grabbed my car, turned it around, gave us a little bit of push, and just said, hit the gas. And that's exactly what I felt, and that's exactly what happened. And I remember I, t- I grabbed Drea's hand, right, as we're driving, you know, um, and, I, and I put her hand on my heart. And I said, check this out. My heart's not, it's not racing, it's not beating, it's nothing, it's calm. And I knew that it was the Lord. I knew that God had sent angels to protect our car. I knew that God was saying, this ain't it for you guys. <laughs> like, I got, a, I got a big plan, and there's a lot of work that you two are going to be doing, so... Here you go. I got you, right? Don't worry about it. Put us right back on that lane. Had us keep going. And, I, and it, was, it, was, it was one of those experiences that's undeniable. I can't deny the fact that God did a miracle, that he saved us, right? Probably from death or, or serious injury or whatever it may be, you know, and, uh, and, and put us right back on track. And, and I, I hold that experience deep in my heart because it's just a reminder to me, right, of these moments that are undeniable of God's presence. And many of you probably have stories where you could tell me almost something identical that God's done in your life to preserve you or protect you or to remind you that he's got his hand on you, right? Um, and, uh, and what was cool is that I was already on schedule for the next night to go and share a Bible study with a group of college students at Cal State Northridge, you know, and it was, it was awesome because I'm like, well, they asked me to preach, and I'm like, God just saved my life last night, so I got to share this story, right? And, and then I'm like, so I got to keep sharing, because, and the reason why I got to share that is because I have to let folks know, right, that, uh, that, that God's got a plan for your life, right? And when God does something, it's for a reason, you know, um, and so when, when Paul stands before this audience here in Acts 22, he's sharing with them, this is what God did. I didn't do it. It wasn't on my own. I didn't just come to my senses and realize I don't want to live like that anymore. Now I want to be on their team. I don't want to persecute them anymore. Now I'm going to be one of their, their greatest leaders. It wasn't a decision that he just made one night, right, because he was convinced that he should be a Christian. God actually got his attention and turned his life around 180 degrees. Um, and so he's sharing with them, this is, this is what God did, right? So then he says in verse 10, what shall I do? You know, what shall I do? Um, isn't that the next question that we ask whenever God saves us, whenever God, like, heals us, restores us, whenever he cleans us up, whenever he, like, gives us a second chance and tells us, hey, it's all good. Don't forget about all that stuff. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to go back to that stuff anymore. Here, we, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a fresh start, right? Just like the Bible says, his mercies are new every morning right? And we get a chance to walk in that. So then the first question is what Paul asks. The question that we ask is, all right, Lord, what do I got to do then? All right, what's the next step? What do I got to do? Um, so, so Jesus gives him instructions. He says, get up and go into Damascus. There uh, you, you will be told 
uh, all that I, you have been assigned to do. So he says, my companions led me by hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. Um, again, let's not run too quickly past this little story. It's, an, it's a, a story and an example that we can have an analogy for, but even Paul, who was responsible for the majority of the New Testament, needed to be held by the hand when he was a young believer. Right? Um, even he uh, needed others to support him um, when he was beginning to find his way, when he was beginning to develop a new walk, um, he relied upon others to walk with him. I know there are some of us in here who have a hard time asking for help. There are some of us in here who are like, no, nah, don't hold my hand. That, that's weird, man. I don't want anybody holding my hand, right? I got this. I'm a, I'll, be, I'll be fine. Um, when in reality, oftentimes the best thing we can do, the strongest thing we can do when we're going through things in life is to be uh, humble and, co and courageous enough to ask for help, right? Uh, we might try to act all tough and cool. Oh, I don't need help. I can figure this out on my own. Or for those who like to be really ultra spiritual, no, no, no. All I need to do is just pray a little bit more and I'm going to be just fine. Yes, pray a little more and reach out for help. Stop being spiritually prideful, Right? Oh, no, no, that's all me, man. If I just read my word more, then I, I wouldn't even be in this situation. So I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get back into the word, and then everything's going to be just fine. Yes, get back into the word, but ask for help. Does that make sense? Like we have this um, aversion, this fear of being in a vulnerable place where we have to share about our weak spots, and that causes us to push people away, especially when they're uh, able and ready to help us in a moment of need. That's the strongest thing we can do is to say, you know what? I ain't got this, and I do need a little bit of help, right? Because you think about all the strength that comes when we're humble enough and vulnerable enough to say, I, I have a need. I'm a bit broken right now. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? Your family, the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ come to your aid. They come to your left. They come to your right. And then you're standing as strong as you've ever stood in your life because you're no longer trying to fight these battles alone, pretending like you have it all figured out. All of a sudden now, you have the power and the strength of the body of Christ that who's got your back. So asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Right? And, and just as I'm preaching that to you, I'm preaching that to myself too because I'm just as prideful as anybody to basically say like, no, nah, man, me, I'm a pastor. I got this, bro. I can figure this out. No, I can't. I am not, uh, 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 I, don't, I don't float on water or walk on water or whatever. I know how to swim in water. That's about it. But I'm a human, Right? I got weak spots. I got areas where I need, I need support. I need prayer. I need encouragement, right? Um, we all do. Um, so, so I love that, um, this image of Paul being blinded and his, his friends um, needing to walk him into Damascus. He couldn't get there on his own, okay? So when you need someone to hold your hand to help you get from point A to point B, know that you're in good company um, because even Paul needed that when he was in a moment of weakness. Amen? So, um, so, and then I love this part right here. Verse 12. A man named Ananias came to see me. 
He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. I love that. Ananias, God used him um, to be a mentor because uh, as the story goes, uh, it wasn't just that moment where all of a sudden Ananias prays for him, uh, Saul gets his sight back, and then he's off on his way. No, he's mentored and discipled by Ananias in Damascus. Right? It's pretty cool how God set that up. Because if you read the earlier uh, version of it, I believe in Acts chapter 9, um, you'll find the full story there where God tells Saul uh, that he's going to meet someone named Ananias, and then God tells Ananias that he's going to meet someone named Saul. So God was kind of like linking them up together because uh, the Lord was going to use Ananias to help Saul get, or Paul, you know, Saul, Paul, same name, same guy, uh, get his footing so that he could begin his ministry the right way. Um, how cool is that? Like imagine being, imagine being in heaven and you're Ananias, and imagine being reminded that uh, the Lord chose you to help uh, coach, disciple, and mentor someone like Paul at a moment of weakness. How cool is that? That's what I love about the body of Christ. That's what I love about our faith is that, um, you know, in, in, in our society and culture, we are all raised uh, initially as kids uh, trained to want to be the hero. Right? We watch a movie, you know, when I watch a movie with my kids, you know, and we come out of the movie and I say, all right, which one of those characters do you want to be? They don't ever want to say, like, the sidekick, you know. They don't want to say, you know, somebody who shows up in one scene. They definitely don't want to say one of the villains, right. Who do they want to be? They want to be the hero. And I think we, we want to do that too. Uh, but it's, it's awesome to see stories in Scripture where God uses someone like Ananias, right, to be a selfless mentor in the life and story of the Apostle Paul, right? And so I think it's, it's awesome that, that we as the believers should be asking the Lord, Lord, how might you want me to be an Ananias in the life of somebody else? How might you want me to be somebody who can give a word of encouragement to somebody um, and, and excited to see when they experience success and when they experience growth. And we're not jealous or comparing or competing with others, but when we have a chance to encourage others and we see them successful, we say, yes, thank you, Lord, for blessing them. And what a privilege it was to be their Sunday school teacher or to be their youth leader or to be their Bible study leader, or to just pray with them that one Sunday when they were up at the altar and I had a chance to go lay a, ha a hand on their shoulder as they were going through what they were going through. We, we, we want to be the kind of place that we don't need to be the hero, but we, we want to be excited about how God might want to use us to help lift others up. We want to have like the spirit of Ananias, you know, to be able to say like, you know, yes, Lord, you want me to go over there and talk to this guy named Saul? You know, Ananias... If we, if we really track the story, had probably heard of Saul before. Ananias knew that he was one of the ringleaders of this group of Jews who was going around persecuting Christians. And then all of a sudden, he has a vision, and he hears from Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to go over there and, and, uh, and evangelize and, and share the good news with, uh, with Saul. And if you're Ananias, you're probably like, what you talking about, Lord? I ain't trying to get killed. Right? I'm not going to go talk to that guy. That guy's dangerous. Right? Um, 
And yet he's like, yes, Lord, that's what you want me to do. That's what I'm going to do. And he goes and, and he becomes a mentor, you know, a spiritual father, if you will, uh, to somebody like Paul, which is really cool. All right, let's keep reading. It was a good story. Um, so he says, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, verse 14, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Isn't that awesome? Ananias just kind of runs it down for Paul, and he says, here we go, come on, let's, there's work to do, let's get baptized, right? It's time to get going, right? We don't have a whole lot of time. I love the urgency in the book of Acts. I love the urgency, essentially saying, hey, great, you were blinded, but now you got your sight back, so it's time for you to get going and telling people about Jesus, right? What do you mean? I just met him right now. He knocked me off my donkey, right? Uh, how am I supposed to tell telling people of Jesus? Just go and do it, right? The Lord will prepare you, amen? I think too often we, 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 in, we intentionally deliberate when it comes to our own faith, and we put ourselves in, in these like uh, self-made timetables about when we're ready to do certain things. When, when in reality, God is like, hey, did, did, did I do something in your life? Well, then guess what? You're ready to share about it right now. Yeah. Oh, but I haven't figured out this, that. Hey, get going, right? There's no time to waste. There's no time to lose. The time is now for us to be able to respond and be a blessing, a light, in the world that we live in with what God's already done right now. Amen? So he gets going. There was like no time to waste. Get up. He says, what are you waiting for? I love that. <laughs> if, I were, if I were solid, I'd be like, man, come on, give me a break, man. My eyes are still adjusting. <laughs> Chill out. I don't even have my Ray-Bans with me right now. So, uh, so then it says, verse 17, when I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So this is uh, the beginning part of Paul's testimony, his story of what he's sharing uh, in front of this audience in Jerusalem who's uh, trying to uh, essentially accuse him of, uh, of, of, all these, uh, of all these things that he didn't do. So he shares with them, this is, this is how the story started for me. So things change a little bit in verse 22. Um, the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and they shouted, Rid the earth of him! He's not fit to live! As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal for you? To flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? All of a sudden, the centurion was like, what? Like, he thought he was a, a Jewish citizen, right, from Jerusalem. He didn't realize that Paul was uh, a Roman citizen. He had to pull out the Roman card on him, right? 
Be like, hold on one second. You haven't seen my ID yet. You didn't even ask me for license and registration. If you did, I would have shown you, bam, Roman citizen. Now what? Right? So then when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and he reported it. What are you going to do? He asked him. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he had realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. Um, that's an interesting part of the story right here. Um, <laughs> Paul's like, man, I don't know if he had planned it that way or not, but he is lucky because he was moments away from being killed right there on the spot in Jerusalem. And then he says, oh, wait, I'm a Roman citizen. Why didn't you say that from the beginning, man? Should have started your speech with it. Hey, everybody, just want to let you all know, especially you guys over here dressed like Roman soldiers, I am a Roman citizen. Now let me go on with my story. I'm also a Jew. I was also trained under Gamaliel. He had to wait until the last minute and finally say, Oh, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. And then they back off. Uh, the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day, this is verse 30, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Um, so th this is the end of chapter 22. Um, we'll be uh, continuing into chapter 23 next week. Uh, but the takeaway that I want for us before we pray and dismiss tonight um, is in Acts chapter 22, the power of testimony. The power of being able to share um, what God has done, right? The power of being unashamed and, and bold enough to be ready to, to talk about what God has done, um, and, and that's, it's wonderful. I want to remind us again, uh, Paul had his own kind of conversion experience. Each of us have had our own kind of experience where God's got a hold of our life. Uh, let's be mindful of that as we are called to serve and love others that God might be doing things on his own timetable with others and that we should not um, try to fit anybody into a box in terms of when the time is right for them. The Holy Spirit's at work. We know it, right? And we don't lose... Um, hope or confidence in the fact that God is at work. Amen? We keep praying. We keep trusting. We keep sharing, right? Um, we don't lose, lose sight. We don't lose hope, um, but we continue to, uh, to trust in the Lord in, in these spaces. Um, so praise God for this uh, part of the story. Praise God for, again, Paul's boldness, even in spite of his friend's warnings not to go to Jerusalem, to say, I especially want to go to Jerusalem because I want them to hear uh, who Jesus is, and I want them to hear what that has meant for me in my own life. Um, what a testimony it is for him to stand there uh, and to be willing to share in this way. Uh, and may we have that same kind of uh, boldness. May, may we have that same uh, awareness that being able to talk about what God has done in our life has the power to change lives. Right, has the power to change lives. It has the, the power also uh, for us to create connections with others by finding common ground like Paul did when he uh, initiates his response by saying brothers and fathers and enters into his conversation in that way. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray and we'll dismiss tonight. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word in Acts 22. 
uh, we just thank you for this uh, powerful story, this, uh, this place where Paul uh, is able to recount all the things that you had done in his life. Um, what, a, what a miraculous conversion. Uh, what a miraculous testimony uh, that you got a hold of his life. It just completely mind-boggling, um, miraculous in the sense that one day he wasn't following you, he was against you, and then the next day you got a hold of him and called him onto your team. How cool is that? Lord, we pray tonight that even as we think of our friends and family who right now, um, they might, it might not seem like they are close to you. It might not seem like they are ready to, to receive you and walk with you and follow you and live for you. It might seem like they're living completely opposite of what it means to be a follower of you. Um, they might be in the world in all kinds of sin and all kinds of lifestyles. May this story tonight of Paul be a reminder to us that there is no one who is outside of your reach. There's no one who is too far gone for your grace. There's no one who you can't reach out and turn around and pull onto your team to be able to live for you. Um, so we even take a moment right now to pray for those in our lives who right now are just, uh, who, who aren't living for you, um, who are doing things their own way, who might be lost. Maybe, uh, maybe they're prideful. Maybe they're uh, depressed. Maybe they are confused. Whatever it is that they may be going through. Um, and Lord, we pray that just as you did a miraculous thing in Paul's life, that you would reach out and do another miracle in the lives of our loved ones, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our, our, our neighbors. Um, God, do a, do a transformation and, and, and encourage our faith, even if some of us have, have gotten discouraged because maybe we've been praying for someone or trying to reach someone and it just doesn't seem like your word is penetrating and, and your spirit's at work. May we be reminded that you work in your own time and in your own way and teach us to be diligent and faithful in the midst of all these things, not discouraged, knowing that you, uh, my God, have a wonderful plan and a wonderful purpose. Um, so, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for a chance to gather around your word, to hear testimonies of our brothers and sisters this evening. Um, we pray encouragement over those who need it. Uh, we pray, God, that uh, for those who are tired, that you would give deep rest, spiritual rest, as well as physical rest. Um, Lord, for those who are struggling financially, that you would give provision, um, that you would, uh, you, you would uh, provide jobs and raises and, and gifts and different things that are just an encouragement to your people here tonight, mighty God. Um, for those who are sick, for those who are battling illness, whether it be those here in this room or uh, those who we're connected to, we pray for healing, God. Uh, we pray that you would, uh, you would just reach out and uh, continue to demonstrate your ability to, uh, to do miracles even today. Um, so, Lord, we thank you for the gift of fellowship uh, this evening. In Christ's name, amen.